Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody. This is Jeremy Evans, your host of Believe in Sports Law via the Believe Podcast Network. Glad to, glad to be with you today. Today is Monday, July 27th, 2020. Hope that you had a wonderful weekend and hope that you enjoy today's show, which is a very interesting topic and something that uh, you may indeed yourself uh, be using um, in the sense of uh, what we're going to be talking about today. So today's topic is on TikTok, the uh, platform, social media platform that's uh, all the rage these days and people using it to share videos, to uh, whether that be for personal enjoyment, for laughter, for brands, for whatever it might be, uh, it's definitely something that uh, is being used by uh, millions of Americans and being used across the world, but has entered into some controversy, and particularly with the uh, United States Justice Department, and particularly with um, uh, federal government, and looking at um, whether TikTok is uh, abiding by the various consumer protection rules and laws here in the United States and abroad, and uh, looking at to whether um, there's potential for some espionage that has been going on uh, with the use of privacy data and the like uh, via the Chinese uh, Communist Party. So it's very interesting. There's been a lot of reporting on this, uh, whether it be front office sports or um, Hollywood Reporter and some of the other major publications uh, that have been, um, you know, essentially talking about TikTok as a platform and what it means going forward. So in some sense, um, we need to talk a little bit about the history uh, of the platform uh, to kind of get us up to speed. And so just so everybody knows, TikTok, if you don't know, it's a, um, it's essentially, it's a social media platform that is really focused more on videos than anything else. And uh, in some sense, maybe it's like um, the Instagram for videos, or maybe it's like the Snapchat for videos, except that the videos are permanent, whereas Snapchat's sort of initial plan is that the videos you know disappear, but you can keep some videos, that sort of thing. But with TikTok, the videos are out there. A lot of people were using it, families were using it to do coordinated dance moves. So it's, a, you know, it's supposed to be a fun sort of engaging platform and it's supposed to be something that encourages laughter or whatever, and obviously has gotten a little more, uh, let's say highlight or use during the ongoing, uh, COVID pandemic. So it's also used by entertainment media and sports talent and companies. Uh, sports teams use it. Uh, individual talent has been using it, whether it be athletes or entertainers, actors, whatever it might be, and uh, been using it to reach audiences with their messages and brands. Now, of course, like any social media platform, you're going to have your early adopters, the folks who you know, use it uh, right when it comes out of the gate. Uh, then it's usually generally the way that social media works is that it's initially adopted. So this is kind of like with Facebook in 2008. There was initially college students that were using it because it was meant for that. 
and created for that. And of course, it expanded out and more and more people began to use it. Um, and actually, I think social media, Facebook, I want to say even goes back to 2005 and 2004. But it wasn't until, let's say, 2008, 2009, where it really started to pick up in terms of users and subscribers or whatever you want to call that. But Ultimately, again, you have your early adopters, and then it's usually followed by mass adoption if the platform's lucky enough to be accepted by the masses. The difference with TikTok is that it is the first social media platform that has been widely accepted that has not originated inside the United States. Now, that's important for several reasons. One is, is that TikTok began in China, and it's owned by a majority uh, it's a majority-owned company, uh, Chinese company, um, and the majority owner is a company called ByteDance. Now, Facebook, Instagram, which obviously Instagram is owned by Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and LinkedIn are all American-based companies subject to American privacy laws and regulations. Their corporate boards are here. Uh, they get taxed here, the whole thing. Now, uh, in fact, the United States uh, Department of Justice is currently investigating many American-owned tech and social media platforms for antitrust violations. So uh, clearly they are subject to the laws here, and there's been some ongoing investigations there. Now, front office uh, sports reports that TikTok's predecessor, uh, Musical.ly, so that's uh, M-U-S-I-C-A-L dot L-Y, was previously subject to scrutiny by the Department of Justice uh, because uh, it was alleged that the platform was being censored for um, for political ideas, positions, and information. Essentially, any dissent or opposition to the Chinese Communist Party, um, and of course, the Chinese Communist Party did not want uh, that information that was against their positions or against their platform, whatever it might be, to be distributed to be distributed on the TikTok um, or sorry on the Musically platform, which was the predecessor to TikTok again, owned by ByteDance. Now, um, TikTok's dilemma includes two different scenarios. Uh, One is is that uh, there's clearly still censorship problems going on and allegations there with regard to the Chinese Communist Party, but it's also something to do with privacy in that uh, there's allegations that Americans' um, private information is being sold or collected by the Chinese government and you know, use for whatever purposes that they're using it for, whether it's to reach more customers, whether it's for espionage purposes. Um, but there is some serious allegations there with regard to both censorship and the lack of privacy protection. And so, um, again, a major issue for TikTok because they obviously want to do business in America. A lot of their customers are American, and. You know, you want to do business in America, you're going to be subject to the laws and regulations of the land. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Now, a little bit of um, context to this is the fact that Hollywood's very familiar with this situation in general because studio executives have had to censor their films uh, for content that the Chinese Communist Party disagrees with and seeks removal uh, before distribution can occur in the largest Asian market. One example of this is Top Gun Maverick, and obviously that's now been delayed till July 2021. It was supposed to come out in June 2020. 
but there was uh, Hollywood Reporter did an article on this, but there was essentially a Taiwanese patch that is on one of the bomber jackets of the fighter pilots, and this occurs in real life. Those those patches occur there, and they they're on these bomber jackets for these fighter pilots, and ultimately what happened was. Um, the uh, Chinese Communist Party essentially asked studios, the studio Paramount to remove uh, that patch because it was offensive to um, China in the sense that um, they believe that Taiwan, that the, basically the island of Taiwan is their territory and their people. And so there is uh, some ongoing uh, human rights violations and some other issues there. And ultimately, uh, Paramount agreed and in the sense of they agreed to remove the Taiwanese patch from the bomber jacket for the fighter pilot. So that's just one example, uh, but there has been another other examples out there that uh, you can look up. Now, the interesting point here is that with the international box office and the billions of dollars each year, studios feel the need to yield to the Chinese Communist Party uh, demands uh, to reach a larger audience. Uh, now, again, another example here is the National Basketball Association. The NBA uh, is very familiar with this process. Uh, and matter of fact, it had its games removed earlier in 2020 um, where there was a situation that um, there was a manager of a team that essentially spoke out against the human rights violations of the Chinese government. And of course, Chinese government responded, Chinese Communist Party responded by removing the games from, from television. And, uh, and that was sort of the end of that. And of course, there ended up being some discussions between the NBA, Commissioner Adam Silver, and Chinese Communist Party officials, but ultimately uh, goes to show you what happens when you speak out uh, in that context. It's sort of interesting because recently over, over the weekend and over the past week, there's there was news that... Uh, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, led an investigation that ultimately led to the closure of the Chinese consulate building in Houston, Texas. And the reason for it was that there were some serious allegations that the Chinese were committing espionage, specifically in the health and health and oil industries. And the health aspect was related to COVID-19. So uh, a lot of drama here, a lot of back and forth. Um, definitely something to keep your eye on, and this is something that is affecting entertainment and sports, entertainment media and sports, and it's going to be very interesting to see how this continues down the road and whether companies stand up to China and decide not to do business there because of these um, human rights violations and what's going on there, or whether um, they take a different course. So it's going to be very interesting to see uh, what happens. So... Is time running out on TikTok? And I, I don't. I, I think that there's really two things that are happening here, and two things that need to occur for TikTok to survive in the United States, and uh, in the sense of for it to be accepted more broadly, but also for it to allow to do for itself to allow to do business here, it's going to have uh, two things to occur. For one, TikTok is looking to find American investors to allow the company to have majority ownership. Uh, and that is very important in the sense of corporate control being stateside. 
and uh, where ultimately it can uh, consumers uh, can enjoy free speech, privacy, and protection from antitrust, and then also from the situation of um, TikTok regulating itself. Secondly, California's Consumer Privacy Act, which is a far expanding um, law and a very expansive law, a very detailed law that talks about protecting uh, Californians with regard to data and information. This is something that is now sweeping across the country and other states are beginning to enact similar laws. As in politics, as the saying goes, as California goes, so goes the nation, which some sense makes sense in the sense that California is fifth largest economy in the world and they have the most uh, uh, you know, people um, in terms of population. So it's, again, I think it makes sense from that standpoint, but um, the Consumer Privacy Act is something that's very big. Again, it's sweeping across the country and it specifically regulated big tech, Hollywood and social media companies from using consumer information to grow their businesses. And of course that movement is now expanding overseas and um, subjecting companies that want to do business here to those laws. And those companies that want to do business here are going to have to follow the American rule of law and uh, consumer protections. So those are the two big things that TikTok's going to have to do. And I don't think that the ownership thing is about the fact that, you know, the American company is, um, that it's not, a, or that the TikTok is not an American company. It's the reality of it is, is that there's serious uh, espionage concerns and there's serious privacy concerns uh, with regard to the relationship between China and the United States. So uh, we will see how that all plays out. Now, of course, this should be very familiar to companies like Google and their subsidiary YouTube because Europe's general data protection regulation or GDPR as it's commonly referred and platform restrictions um, require more protection and liability when it comes to privacy and copyright laws um, than in the United States. And this is something where it's sort of like reverse course where there is more consumer protection, let's say in California, whereas across the country, uh, it's not so much, at least at this point, where I think Europe's um, has um, more expansive laws with regard to data protection and uh, copyright liability. So what do we mean by that? Well, data protection is really sort of similar to the California Consumer Privacy Act. So the CCPA and the GDPR are similar in that sense in terms of what they intend to do. But uh, the difference um, here with regard to copyright law is that in the United States, platforms like YouTube are not liable for copyrighted content that is posted on their platform because it's a consumer-driven platform in the sense that consumers post the content Whereas in, 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 so in the United States, the platforms are not liable, but over in Europe, they are. So uh, this is something that's very interesting and something to keep an eye on, particularly with China and um, its intellectual property um, violations. And there's been some reporting on that, that is China has grown and um, become more of an inventor in some sense that they've grown more attuned to protecting intellectual property uh, we'll see how that all plays out, but ultimately, um, it's just interesting to compare and contrast the uh, difference in law between, let's say, Europe, United States, and then uh, obviously uh, in China. So 
what this really comes down to is that unless regulations and mandatory disclosures are in place, consumers and companies, unfortunately, uh, have been more and more willing to give up privacy, their own privacy, in order to gain engagement, uh, specifically likes and shares and comments on post. And uh, everybody's guilty of doing this, and, and it's just something that uh, we all need to keep our eyes on. Uh, it's a dangerous road to travel. Uh, frankly, it's one fraught with privacy concerns, litigation, and investigations, particularly from a company standpoint, as states like California and um, and and countries in Europe are looking at uh, how to better protect consumers. So, the bottom line, unless TikTok implements the necessary changes in the United States, particularly with having more control here in the United States, and with having particularly uh, being subject to privacy. Uh, laws here in the United States and protections, um, it may end up following the course that it did in uh, fellow democracy India and end up banning the platform. So um, TikTok is definitely on the clock and um, and we'll sort of see how this all plays out and uh, where it goes from here and what, what, what are the next steps are going to be. So folks, hope you've enjoyed uh, today's show talking about TikTok and uh, what its future looks like and uh, what its future in America specifically looks like and some of the things that it's likely going to have to do to um, become more compliant with the United States law and uh, uh, protections here. So thanks again, folks, for listening in. Again, I'm your host, Jeremy Evans, and uh, this is Believe in Sports Law via the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.